Ring it, ring it. Good evening, everybody. Let's gather, if we would, for worship. this place where we are meeting only a hill the earth our floor trees and the sky sheltering people sunshine for light a pond's near shore yet it all becomes a body that lives when we are gathered here and know our God is near. Welcome to worship here at East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church. East? And we're here for this very, very special gathering together for the first time in 28 long weeks. Amen? Thanks be to God. We have a very simple and special service for us here tonight, focused around verse 4 of Psalm 23. God is with us even through the darkest valley. God is with us even through the darkest valley. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil because you, God, are with me. You are with us. Our service this evening has some many wonderful moments. We will have some miming. You don't have a bulletin, so I have to tell you what's coming up. We'll have some miming and creative movement by Will Maxey, and uh, the children will be invited for a second time to join him. We'll have some singing by Miriam and Jesus. And then several persons are going to be sharing a story or a poem or a song about an experience of God's presence with them these past six months. And then we're going to head down to the pond for singing and lighting floating lanterns coming uh, gathered around the pond. We'll give you some uh, more instructions about that. Before we pray, let me say a special, special word of thanks to our dear hosts, Harley and Kate. Where are you? Yeah, thank you very much for sharing this lovely, lovely space with us. Also, special thanks to Francis and Heidi Beth for their opening music here at the beginning of the service. Let's gather our hearts together in prayer.
Dear God, in the silence, we thank you for all the ways that you've been with us as we've passed through the dark valley of these really hard last six months, which for many of us has been a time of significant loneliness, isolation, fear, anxiety, transition, and worry. But along the way, we thank you for all the ways that you have sustained us, energized us, comforted us, equipped us, strengthened us, and even through these hard times, helped us to see new things and to learn new things along the way. And we pray now that during this time of worship, you would give us all a deeper awareness of your presence. Thank you for those birds. And that as a result, you'd receive a fuller measure of our love and worship as a result. Most of all, we pray, dear God, that each of us would leave here with a deeper sense of belonging to you and to each other in this congregation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus promised that wherever two or three of his followers gathered together, that he would be present with us in a special way. I think we uh, have two or three. In fact, we have several dozen. And uh, let's just, at this time, usually I would invite us to stand and to share the peace of Christ with one another. But just turn to one another and maybe with a, a bow or a wave or a hand on your heart. Just uh, acknowledge the presence of Christ here with us. Our scripture reading today is Psalm 23. Yahweh, you are my shepherd. I have everything I need. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters you restore my soul you lead me in right paths for your name's sake and even though I walk through the darkest valley I fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in your house, Yahweh, all the days, all the days of my life. We'd like to do that a second time and invite the children to come forward and to move with will. Eliana and Ava and others, would you like to come down and would you like to move and dance with will? And uh, the young at heart can join as well. Do you want to come, Martin? Why don't you come down to the front? Will, do you want to show them where you're going to be gathered? Okay. Why don't you come down and you can just follow as he moves? Wonderful. Wonderful. Any other children at heart are also free to join. Yahweh, you are my shepherd. I have everything I need. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in right paths for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in your house, Yahweh. All the days of my life. We've asked several here in our congregation to share a poem or a story. Uh, 
or a song about God's presence sustaining them these past six months. And Anne or Bruce, would you like to begin? I suggested was a story where God's with you-ness became especially real. And I think for myself, and I'd invite uh, all of us to reflect on this, um, this time of a physical health pandemic of COVID-19 and this time of a, of a pandemic of our eyes being opened a little wider uh, to racial injustice in our country um, has been impactful um, on my life. And I think of it as a kind of unveiling. And so I think God has been with me in opening my eyes just a little bit wider to the way that some of the inequities that are woven throughout our society uh, are real and impacting people day in and day out. These aren't new things. Uh, but I think for myself and perhaps for many of us, our eyes are being opened in new ways. So God being with me in this way for me is actually a bit of a, a troubling time. I think God being with us, we often think of as comfort, but I think God can also be with us through troubling the waters. This is a quote from an author named Sonia Renee Taylor um, about the way forward. We will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was never normal. Other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. Adjusting to this uh, mask, which I wear willingly, but this is cooler weather than I'm used to, and if my glasses don't always cooperate, so I want to see who I'm talking to as well as I hope you can hear me. About a, last Christmas, in fact, I got a gift of a small book, a small devotional book by Mitch Albom. Many of you have read his Tuesdays with Mari. Maybe this one, too. It's 10 years old, a little more than that. So it's not about this pandemic, but... Uh, the title of the book is Have a Little Faith, a true story. Uh, he talks about <clears throat> having been, and it's a, it's a short book with chapters of three or four pages. So uh, I've been reading it before bed each night and uh, finding it very uh, helpful. Uh, he talks about in this book about uh, having been invited by uh, an aging, his childhood rabbi, who is now an older man, aging man, near death, uh, but not ill at that point. And uh, the rabbi asked Mitch to, to prepare his eulogy when he died. Mitch, first of all, had to come to terms with why he was being asked, because he hadn't seen this man for 50 years, and he never didn't consider himself to be a person of faith at that point. So why him was the first question they had to resolve. 
And he talks a little bit like in Tuesdays with Maury. He talks about reflect about meeting with this man on a regular basis for uh, a number of years uh, and pursuing uh, why this why his this man had maintained faith all these years. So the book is called, as I said, "Have a Little Faith: A True Story," and it was it's a very meaningful and moving book. I think especially for this time, although he doesn't mention. This particular struggle that we're having, but he pursues his own life of <clears throat> his own time of of rediscovering what is meaningful in life, and also by interacting with this man who is approaching the end of his life. And both of these are very normal phenomena in this book, a little bit like with Maury. So it's a good book, and I recommend it if you care to have, read something that's inspiring. As I said, the chapters are very short and can be read over many days, and uh, I've been doing it in the evenings before I go to sleep. Birds have been very important to me all my life, but especially during this season, they've um, expressed to me God's presence many times. This is not a poem that I know very well. But it says a number of things that are important to me during this time. <clears throat> First of all, it starts out by saying I'm 52 years old, <laughs> which is true. I have lived 52 years, but I'm now 75, so I think it can still work. A poem can be kind of fluid. <clears throat> I chose this partly because we are outdoors. And we have the large sky, and we have each other. It's called Black, Black Birds by Julie Cadwallader Straub. I'm 52 years old and have spent truly the better part of my life out of doors. But yesterday I heard a new sound above my head. A rustling, ruffling quietness in the spring air. And when I turned my face upward, I saw a flock of blackbirds rounding a curve I didn't know was there. And the sound was simply all those wings, just feathers against air, against gravity. And such a beautiful winning the whole flock taking a long, wide turn as if of one body and one mind. Oh, if we lived only in human society, what a puny existence that would be. But instead, we live and move and have our being here in this curving and soaring world so that when every now and then mercy and tenderness triumph in our lives, and when, even more rarely, we manage to unite and move together toward a common good and can think to ourselves, Ah, yes, this is how it's meant to be. One of the, <clears throat> the highlights of these weeks for me has been our Sunday school class. 
we meet by Zoom every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And the attendance has been amazing to me. It's been a very high percentage of those who could attend have attended. We meet for about an hour. Every other Sunday, we talk about our lives, share whatever, maybe around a question or two. And every other Sunday, we follow the international lesson with one of our teachers leading it. Questions like, when did you decide on your career and have you ever thought of changing it and are you glad that you stayed with it? We have enough time to talk about things we don't often talk with each other about. I've learned so much. We've, I've been with this class, a bunch of these people for oh, 32 years. And I, I learned a lot in the last few weeks I'd never learned before. There's something about the Zoom dynamic and an, an organization where everyone shares that a lot of people share things they otherwise would not share. So it's been a real special treat for me to be part of the class. Those of you who were acquainted with the International Lesson know that we were in James this summer, the book of James. And one of my all-time favorite verses is from James. And it's maybe appropriate for any time, but maybe now also. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. I was thinking what my dark days have been, and they've been in good measure what Bruce was talking about, uh, dismay at the uh, growing awareness of structural racism in this country and the divisiveness of our society, the hatred that's going back and forth, and more personally, um, knowing four people at Willow Valley who have died during the pandemic, one who died specifically of COVID. So there is a tension uh, between these forces of pulling me down, but God has given me what I would characterize as a spirit of adventure that works in tension with these down-pulling forces. And so on balance, it's been a very wonderful experience for me during the pandemic, a spirit of adventure, learning new things, specifically how to take better photographs. I've always done it with my iPhone. I don't plan to change, but I do want to get better. And learning about post-processing with software, I've had time to do a lot of that, and it's been very engaging. But also I've had some adventures going to new places and doing new things or going to old places that I haven't been to for 40 years. Uh, Adventures along the the, uh, banks of the Susquehanna, down through Maryland even, uh, going from the Norman Wood Bridge all the way down to Maryland. And there's no place to appreciate the glory of God like the beautiful Susquehanna River. Mm. And going to (laughs) Philadelphia, which I've always wanted to get to know better but I have just had the opportunity and chosen to take it in the last uh, few months, going for long walks in Fairmont Park along the Schuylkill River, a beautiful place to walk, and along the Wissahickon Creek in the Wissahickon Park, a lovely 
rural park where you just know you're in, know you're in Philadelphia when you're walking along the creek there. And then exploring the art museums in Philadelphia, the Barnes Museum, which Sue Groff told me about a couple of years ago. Wonderful place if you like impressionistic and post-impressionistic paintings. They have more Renoir paintings in that gallery than anywhere else in the world. And also the uh, Art Museum of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, which just opened after the pandemic, Labor Day weekend. I've gone there just once to figure out why some contemporary paintings merit space in a world-class gallery like the Philadelphia Museum of Art. So I spent four hours in the modern and contemporary wing looking at every single picture, looking at all the write-ups, taking photographs of them, and buying a book on that kind of thing, the major art movements since Impressionism, in order to learn just why those contemporary works of art are considered uh, worthy of hanging in an art gallery. So those have been the places that I've gone to physically, but also I'm enjoying right now a vicarious adventure in a book that I'm reading, and that is the brand newly published book, Together in Galilee, by Bob Martin, who's sitting right over here, I think, right, Bob? And I've uh, known Bob since 2003, when I first came to East Chestnut Street, but and heard I've heard some of the details of his and Nancy's life together, their work in the Nazareth Hospital in Israel, but this is an opportunity to read about it in linear order for the first time. And I'm just so gripped by the way that you can see how the, the, the choices early in life, the interests of people work together with God's calling, God's nudges, and God's adventure that he unfolds for people as they deal with the discernment process, the life choices, the big decisions, uh, especially when it comes time to decide between what seems to be giving up a lot of security and taking God's call instead. So it's a, a wonderful, vicarious adventure for me, simply following Bob and Nancy's big adventure as God called them to work in Nazareth over three separate occasions when they went there to live. So I've been very grateful to God that not only does he have before me and all of us the tension of the uh, terrible aspects of what's happening in our society today, but the relief-giving um, God-given adventure that he's also placed before me and perhaps before all of you as well. So I think 2020 has been a year for all of us that we're learning many new things. One of the things for me is I've always had my life pretty structured and very planned. Um, and starting January 1st, things um, were happening that I couldn't control. And with COVID, I realized that I was being a caregiver and my well was 
being depleted. Um, and I felt very alone, isolated in my home by myself. And I thought, what can I, how, and, and I also grew up in a family and work with people where we hug each other a lot. And um, it, Kitty just wasn't giving it. Um, she's, she's, she's not very affectionate. She likes to be with you, but she does not give good hugs. And I thought, you know, I, I am so alone here. I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know if I can make it. And I thought back to uh, when I was a child, how I felt safe. And where I felt safe was uh, growing up in the congregation, Slay Hill Mennonite, with singing. Now, those that know me, I cannot sing, but I appreciate good singing. And I never really appreciated a cappella singing, but as I've gotten older, it's funny how you appreciate things you grew up with. So, So I went on YouTube and I um, googled uh, Mennonite a cappella singing, and uh, there's a lot of things that pop up, a lot of great memories. But the other Sunday, um, I shared a song, "We Are Not Alone." God is with us. And that was my hug. That refilled my well. I also each day think, how am I going to get through this? And when I was managing a team, my job was to help them get through this and address their fears and also deal with my own as we work together in an office. So one of the songs that touched me was Guide My Feet. So each day that I would make a difference in people's lives. So I just want to share a prayer that a friend from Chicago shared with me, and it really relates to what we're going through right now. So it's, release me from how I thought it was going to be, how I hoped it would be, how I wanted it to be. Surround me and infuse me with what is safety, love, reality, truth, connection, forgiveness, grace. Amen. During normal times and health issues and fears are especially a trigger for me. So I immediately got really anxious. A lot of fears have been swirling in my mind about coronavirus, my family's health, and the effects the shutdown would have on our lives. For about a week, I continued to feel these symptoms each day as I woke up. I eventually went to my doctor and was tested for a slew of things, COVID, pregnancy, no mom and everyone else who asked, I'm not pregnant, <laughs> and finally, um, just some general blood work. Everything came back negative and completely normal, and except for low blood pressure, my doctor basically told me I was very healthy and was pretty likely my symptoms were a manifestation of anxiety. 
I was thankful it wasn't a serious health issue. My mind had already entertained plenty of scary diagnoses, and I had been on Google more than I care to admit. But um, for a few days after that, I also felt guilty that after all that, my symptoms may have been more mental than physical. It took me a few days until I actually began to feel comforted that it was my anxiety bothering me because it's a road I've walked before and I've seen and experienced God's presence and truths go with me even when I feel low. Anxiety, for better or worse, has been an influential teacher in my life and has driven me to God and to my knees countless times when I otherwise would have tried to do things with my own strength. And I want to be very clear, though, I don't believe anxiety is a spiritual issue. I believe it's a physiological one, but I do know from my own experience that God walks through anxiety with us and often teaches us through it. Two sources of encouragement that I have reflected on during this time Both of them shared with me by my mom, who has shown great faith and courage during some of her own health struggles. The first was her reflection on the early days of the pandemic. We're never actually in control, Rachel. God is. It often takes circumstances like a threat to our health or this pandemic, for instance, for us to realize how little control we really have and to surrender to that lack of control and to choose trust. And the second was a poem by Mary Oliver. I worried a lot. Will the garden grow? Will the rivers flow in the right direction? Will the earth turn as it was taught? And if not, how shall I correct it? Was I right? Was I wrong? Will I be forgiven? Can I do better? Will I ever be able to sing? Even the sparrows can do it, and I am, well, hopeless. Is my eyesight fading, or am I just imagining it? Am I going to get rheumatism, lockjaw, dementia? Finally, I saw that worrying had come to nothing and gave it up and took my old body and went out into the morning and sang. Trust in Jesus, and I've learned. 
Shepherd, we come to you tonight gathered as your flock here in these green pastures by this still water, longing for your healing ointment, your calling of each of our names. We gather at the table you have set before us, aware that one of the ways you restore our souls is through the gift of community, the gift of others who also know our names. And so we thank you for East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church. We thank you for the ways you have kept us connected even while we have been separated. We thank you for all who have gathered here today and for all who will join us for worship online as they view this service from home. We thank you for each household that is part of this particular little flock And we pray now for two of them in this coming week. Thank you for Carol Sant and the ways she has shared her gifts among us. We pray for her to have a sense of calling for her present situation. With her, we pray for family members that they may have assurance of your presence, love, and care. We thank you for the relationships she built with residents at Willow Valley's skilled care facility back when she was able to visit them in person, and pray now for those residents that they will have contentment in spite of isolation and have assurance of your presence, love, and care. We thank you for the gifts of Francis Crowhill Miller and Tim, Nico, and Eli Souter, and all that they bring to our community. We pray for them continued health and safety as they go about their work and play. Bless them as they seek to be stewards of their land, farming in ways to bring restoration to the earth and wholesome food to others. Guide the boys as they continue to learn from homeschooling and from the multitude of opportunities that farm life gives them. Good Shepherd, we continue to pray for Jason Henning and for his parents, Greg and Pat, as he has treatment for his tumor. Please anoint him with healing oil. We pray for Mololi's family as they travel here. May it go well for them. Thank you for Lara Kanegi and her family and all of the others among us who will work to make their arrival welcoming. May their needs be provided, caring God. We know that your love, goodness, and mercy extend way beyond our fold. And so we lift to you those others in valleys of death, those surrounded by enemies, those needing assurance of your presence. For Lancaster City, as it feels the shock of Ricardo Munoz's shooting, for Ricardo's family who grieve for the police department and the mayor and the community as they interact together, for our sister church, Laurel Street Mennonite, as they seek to minister to that hurting neighborhood. Oh God, would you be a shepherd 
Would you be a savior for those caught in the fires of the West and for the ravaged land? Would you provide for those swept up in the flood waters in the South? For this world that you created and love, now walking through the valley of death by COVID-19, would you bring wisdom and understanding? Healing and hope. For your namesake and for the sake of those who suffer. We pray all of this good shepherd in the name of Jesus who taught us that we could pray. Pray with me. Our mother and father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Isn't that great, Eliana? <laughs> this is actually, this is the, uh, Ellie, did you ever see that before? Receive this blessing of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord's face turn toward you and give you peace and joy and hope. Amen.